Hey, what's up? This is Jason Lee Howden, writer and director of Deathgasm. Uh, you're listening to Without Your Head. Station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal. I'm Treacherous Trista. We're joined by BJ Verratt, director of The Return, which is uh, coming out just like in a week from now. Yeah, that's right. August 10th. It's coming out. Very cool. So uh, give us an idea of what The Return is about. Right. So The Return is about a, uh, a college student that comes home to deal with his dead father's affairs and he discovers that this entity from his past has come back. So he decides to set out with his two friends that came with him uh, to discover uh, what's at the root of this uh, presence in his house. Yeah. Now you said entity, presence. Uh, how, how do you personally describe uh, the thing in the house? Uh, well, um, I, think, I think... away the, the moon. Yeah, right. Exactly. I, I actually, I think I think that's that's why I use those terms because there's a there's a few steps that happen along the way that start to reveal a little bit more to the nature of of the haunting that's happening in the house, and um, so I think even on like IMDb, I think I I think I think uh, Kristen Sawatsky, the actress who played like the ghost in the film, I think we we credited her as the entity just to kind of keep a little bit of the secret and the mystique. Um, when we're talking about this film, are we? Is this like? Uh, Spoiler free, or are we able to? It's up to you. It's up to you. Um, We've both seen the movie, but uh, you know, it's up to you if you want to give anything away or not. Yeah, right. Um, Yeah, so that's generally how we referred to the ghost. But uh, I mean, on set, we would we would refer to the ghost as Quantum Mom (laughs) because she was uh, dabbling in science that uh, she wasn't prepared for. So uh, yeah, that's kind of how we've been taking it there. Uh, when you have an entity or a ghost or something in the movie, uh, how do you come up with uh, how it's going to look in the film? Um, well, for this particular film, um, 
the uh, the kind of the nature of the the haunting takes place in two different timelines. So as as a filmmaker, I wanted to kind of use that as an opportunity to look at the the ghost as uh, two separate. Uh, have two different looks, right? For the flashbacks, I wanted a different style and a different aesthetic uh, compared to the contemporary timeline. So because the film kind of starts as a very like classic haunted house, I wanted something that kind of um, is, was very like in line with that that kind of that train of thought. So when you come into the movie, you know, everything seems to be kind of playing out as you expect, you know, even with like the score and the nature of, of how the, uh, the ghost looks. Um, but in the flashbacks, because as the mum was split in two different directions, I almost felt like I wanted her ethereal form to go to the future or, or rather the contemporary timeline, but her physical presence was more landed in, in the flashbacks when she was dealing with, with her daughter and whatnot. So it was just a really fun way to explore two different ways to um, play with scare tactics in the film. Yeah. Uh, who did, who did the effects in the movie? Uh, the visual effects was done by Andrew degrees and the, Special effects makeup was done by Emerson Ziffel. And uh, yeah, he, he was awesome. He, he came up with the, like the skin suit and he also came up with the, uh, the all black suit. And uh, they were kind of like, like onesies that you could like zip up from the back <laughs> that we could kind of, you know, hide and, and color out and whatnot. And uh, yeah, he's great. He's, he's worked on like the Wolf Cop films and Krampus and all kinds of stuff. So he was a really, he was a really good get and he's a good guy too. Yeah, uh, we had the uh, the director of Wolf Cop on during our oh, World World World. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah. yeah. Did you um now had you worked with him previously? Uh, the people who did the effects. Yeah, uh, both both guys. Andrew uh, has helped on a, a couple of shorts that I had done previously, and Emerson actually. Uh, I had done a short film. It was like a micro short, two minutes, uh, but really heavy on the makeup. We were kind of drawing inspiration from like some Jacob's Ladder type stuff, and I sent him some reference images, and uh, and he lived at the time. He lived in Regina. Uh, Saskatchewan. I live in Winnipeg, Manitoba. So in Canada, we're kind of like dead center. And he's just a little bit, he's just a little bit West. It's a five hour drive. And I mean, again, like I said, he's a great guy. He he drove the five hours to Winnipeg, slept in my basement, did all the makeup. And then, uh, and then he, he went home the next day. Like, I just can't believe how, how amazing this guy is, but, um, but it was, it was really cool. So yeah, he, I worked with him on after the rain, which was uh, like a pretty, like I said, special effects, special yeah. effects, makeup heavy project. Uh, is that online? Uh, your shorts? That uh, that one isn't available online. I have done another short that's available on Dust. It's called Echoes in the Ice, and it's kind of like a Lovecraftian Arctic sci-fi horror about these four guys that find an abandoned research facility, and at the bottom level, they find this this old well that starts to affect them all. So that one's um that one's gotten some good love, and people keep asking me if I'm going to consider doing and or adapting it to a feature, which which I'm I'm giving more and more thought to as time goes on because so many people have asked about it. So uh, that might be coming down the pipe, I think, in, in the development side of things. Yeah. And uh, for yeah. people who don't know your background, you do um, the acting and a lot of stunts and, and then you did the short. So um, was making your own movie something you always wanted to do? How did that come about? Yeah, I guess as far as like the film industry goes for me, I have like two streams. I have like my filmmaker side. I tend to produce a lot of my own projects um, as the scope and scale of the projects are getting bigger. It seems to be like where there's going to be a lot more people coming on board to help kind of, kind of grow out that venture. So I do, I uh, writing, directing and, and, you know, as a necessary evil producing, but then I also do stunts on the union side of things for film and television. And between those two, it's, I mean, I, I got myself a pretty lucky guy. It's, it's super fun. Um, 
get to do all kinds of weird stuff. And, uh, and then on the side, like in my free time and, and even more so because I, I really am pursuing the directing side of things. I'm just writing, cooking up ideas, uh, and, and just trying to get things off the ground for when, when, I, when I'm able to COVID kind of put a damper on that, of course. Yeah, so of kind of pump the brakes, but things are really picking up again and it should be a fun 2022. Yeah. So what should you seek out to do? Did you seek out, like, I want to make movies or did you seek out to be a, a stunt man or did one come uh, out because of the other? Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. It's, it's exactly that. It was a bit of a domino effect. I was going to university for my film degree. Um, I want to be a director, writer. I want to tell stories and, and hopefully have people as entertained as I was when I was, you know, coming, growing up and watching films. And um, But when I was in university, one of the stunt coordinators, one of the primary stunt coordinators here in my province um, was running a stage combat course. And I, I knew that. So I, I worked really hard in the class and applied myself. And I have a background in judo and wrestling and uh, and I can do backflips and stuff. So I have like a good skill set, I think, for for a stunt kind of background. But, but I literally, I guess you could say I went to school for it. I took that course and then slowly one stunt call became another one. And then as things really got busy, I was kind of pulled into the uh, kind of the main team. And it's been pretty, pretty amazing for the last five years, particularly. It's really busy here. Uh, Tristan, do you have a question? I'd love to know what some of your favorite horror films are. Oh, good question. Um, I love uh, the thing is, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure you get this answer a lot, but the thing I think is an amazing, amazing film. Um, I uh, the uh, 14 year old in me really loves Aliens. And I think the uh, the slightly older version of me likes Alien. Um, Predator. I, I was born in the 80s. That wholeheartedly when I was a kid. I was yeah. more, but uh, as an adult, I, I realized like older people like, oh, yeah, Alien is a, is a better movie. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, they're, they're amazing. And I was born in the 80s. So like I feel like part of me was kind of coming up with that like decadent 80s era of just filmmaking. Like, you know, you had like Robocop, Total Recall, Predator, like things that just I feel like. I don't know if they hit today just due to the nature of how the business is. But at that time, I mean, I loved it still do. Um, so I, I, I got a soft spot in my heart for a lot of eighties projects. Um, when you said the thing, I, I actually did yeah. think of the one short you were talking about. I thought it seemed a little, uh, a little thing like, but the, uh, with yeah, the yeah. A lot of people have made that comparison. Um, I didn't go out, um, kind of trying to, right. to homage it to the thing or anything, but it's just, it's, it's Arctic. Well, I mean, Antarctic for the thing. So I actually said that this was like my, my Arctic polar response. So while they're dealing with that down South, I'm doing some fun stuff up in the, up on the Northern right. pole. And, uh, um, so that, uh, you know, that film as it was evolving and stuff, it was just, it really is just the tip of the iceberg. You could almost look at it as like a prologue to, to a greater story, which is good because it's just, just enough to keep people excited. Um, it has a fun little story and then, um, but I have so much more that I can unpack and there's some crazy stuff that I have in store if and when I get to <laughs> doing that as a feature. Yeah. And then um, to go back to uh, Trista's question for favorite horror films, I think if we're talking maybe like a bit more contemporary, um, just recently, like I, I have to say like, um, like Midsummer has been I'm a big just amazing. Like, oh, so good. It's just terror in broad daylight and you're just trapped out in the wide open. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's weird because some people that's uh, a negative to them. They said it's too bright and it looks nice, but I don't know why that doesn't, you know. Yeah, you know, it's kind of it. like casting against type, right? Yeah. Um, but but I, I just think it works for that one because because you have all of these like safety mechanisms in place and it's still there's just no escape and things are getting worse and you can't get the answers. Like just I don't know. It's just it's just a, a series of stacking um you know, situations that just make it worse and worse for everybody who's still alive, I guess, depending on where you are in the movie. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, th- uh, this Thursday we're doing our uh, best of the decade uh, show, and that may be uh, on on some of our lists. So, yeah. So, yeah. which one do you prefer? I'm just curious on the Ari Aster front. Do you like Hereditary more? Or do you like Midsummer more? I I like Midsummer better, but I don't know. Yeah, me too. I like Hereditary as well, but I I think Midsummer just checks more boxes for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Trista, which I I don't know what which one Trista likes better. I love them both. In fact, I've rewatched both of them this week. And I know that Midsummer um, is derivative of Wicker Man, but um, I prefer it to Wicker Man personally. And um, I say that, but I, but, yeah. Ari Aster just tickles my funny bone in a way that nobody else does. So, like, I laugh out loud so much during his films. Oh, um, man. <laughs> I know Plus, it does have a very uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Truly, my roommate is not thrilled about it, but I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yeah, because, you know, you're a little out there. But no, no. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, real quick, too, before we go back to uh, to uh, your movie, The Return, yeah, yeah. is uh, about the thing, because it was funny because you said mm-hmm. the 14-year-old in you likes um, aliens, and then as you're older, you like alien. I always think yeah, that's yeah. what's so good about The Thing, is when when you, you can watch as a kid and just love it for all the, the, the monsters, and then when you're older, you can really appreciate how well it's made and the acting, and uh, so it's really the best of both worlds, I think. Yeah, it's it's a I, I would agree. It's pretty timeless when you look at it. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe maybe the, the kid version really enjoys the, the monster effects, but there's so much. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for when everyone is, uh, you know, the distrustful terror. of each other? Yeah, yeah exactly. Paranoia, I mean, paranoia yeah. is just a whole other level of chaos. And I just love that. Yeah, the the board yeah. I had the board game here and you really feel I was bring this up. You really feel paranoid playing the game. Because oh, that's awesome. some of the some of the players might be the thing, so you don't know who's who, and it's not a <laughs> thing. You have to try to try to kill everyone else, and yeah, oh, that's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I, I recommend it. They should pay me, I guess, or pay the show. But uh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I, I should try, I should give that a go. That that sounds really fun. Yeah. So was this your first feature, The Return? Yeah, it was the first feature. Um, I'm Canadian, so um, I, I got some financing through Telefilm. And, uh, for my first, for my first feature. And, um, I guess it was pretty ambitious. It's not a huge budget, of course. Um, but there's a ton of the effects in it, a little bit of stunts. Um, you know, we, we managed to squeeze a 16 day shoot out of it and, um, yeah, I'm pretty happy with how it, how it turned out. So, uh, like I said, I'm trying to turn my, uh, turn my attentions to, uh, just going bigger and bolder. And, uh, that this film in particular is, is kind of a little bit more on the PG 13 front, but, uh, I feel like moving forward, a lot of what resonates with me as a, as a filmmaker moving forward will probably be a little bit more mature on the content, maybe a little more violent kind of stuff. So I feel like there's potential, there's a lot of potential for growth and exploration that I'm looking forward to. Was that, um, was that an actor decision to make a PG 13 movie or did it come out? Uh, Not really. No, it was just the, I feel like that was just the, uh, the story that needed to be told. I think if we were going to be adding more, it would be just for the sake of adding in set pieces that would kind of detract from the overall kind of explorative story that, you know, I almost feel like as a viewer, you're along for the ride with, with Richard and Sarah and echo as he's figuring out like, who is this thing? Um, He's starting to unpack his memories. And I think if we were trying to find little things to feed in there um, to, to kind of ramp it up, I think it would detract from the overall kind of arc of what they were going through. Uh, Richard has a really unique look that as soon as you see him, I think you're drawn to him. Um, did you? Yeah. How, how did uh, he come about in the casting? 
Uh, okay, so actually, he was here in Winnipeg a few years prior to my feature. Um, he was on this uh, film called, at the time, it was called um, Break My Heart a Thousand Times with Bella Thorne, which is now now called I See You, or I Still See You, I believe. And uh, I, I was his uh, stunt double, actually, on that film. So we spoke very briefly. Um, and, you know, we didn't we didn't spend a lot of time together. But in the time that we did, he was a really nice guy. He was really like friendly and approachable. And it was great. Uh, so fast forward, like maybe a year and a half, two years, my features coming out, we put out the casting call. And um, the casting director for my film, Carmen Kotek, she goes, well, what do you think about Richard Harmon? And I was like, oh, you know, he'd be great. Like, I, I feel like he's got a good look and a good kind of presence for the type of character that we want. And, um, and I said, and, you know, I, I had the benefit of just very briefly meeting him and he was a great guy. So if he's interested, um, yeah, I'd be, I'd be really happy to, uh, to offer that to him. And so, you know, we arranged a phone call and we talked about the film and, and from there he was the first person that signed on. So we actually had our star signed before we, we cast the rest of the film and everything else kind of fell into place. So that it was a really, really nice, smooth way to, uh, kind of ease into the film. Yeah. Now you did the shorts you know, before doing the feature. Uh, how does that prepare you to do a fe- to do a feature? And what are some of the well, things that you didn't foresee? Yeah. Well, uh, like I've probably since about 2015, I think I've made about seven or eight shorts. And uh, one thing that I always try to set out to do is, I mean, I always want to tell something different. So, I mean, that's part of the reason I haven't done anything with Echoes in the Ice yet, just because I like variety and keeping things fresh and and fun for me too. And uh, but every time I make a film, I always try to add new tools to my uh, to my um, to my tool chest. So like, for example, uh, on after the rain, I brought Emerson Ziffel to town because I really wanted to focus on makeup special effects. Um, when I did echoes in the ice, I really wanted like a heavy, uh, VFX film. So I could, you know, we could work with a lot of green screens, comps, overlays, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, uh, for a different project called patterns, I wanted to do, I wanted to play with like a seamless wonder. So we started on a 30 foot crane and we crane down through the front window and we go across the front of the house through the office window. And we did a transition into a steady cam and keep the shot going because I want to be able to incorporate all of these things if, and when the, uh, the challenge presents itself on a larger project. Um, and as it turns out, um, you know, there's a lot of camera movement in the return, a lot of makeup, special effects, a lot of VFX. So everything that I was kind of doing in the lead up, I was trying to, basically make sure I was in, in, in like good gym shape, you know, filmically speaking to kind of attack the feature with, with the skills that I had been developing in the lead up to that. Yeah. I uh, trust you have another question. I'm always interested in what scares horror creators. So do you have any fears or phobias you're comfortable sharing with oh, us? Geez. Um, I, I don't really have anything like overt, I guess on the phobia front. Um, I guess, uh, I mean, I guess a fear of failure, but that's more of like a psychological one. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, uh, yeah, well, I guess we'll say fear of failure. I, there's there's nothing really like, pardon me? Oh, that's a big one. That I think it's good though. I think that's, what, that's a driving force for me. It keeps me motivated and I keep moving forward. But as far as like, you know, fear of snakes or spiders or heights, nothing, nothing quite uh, so overt as that. Um, but yeah. Uh, you know, maybe you know when I when I when I come across it in, in my day to day, I'll be sure to let you know. <laughs> but I but I found out the hard way that I'm terrified. Of. By the so, way, I found out I'm afraid. Chinchillas are terrifying. So. <laughs> uh, the fear of failure, though, you said that keeps you motivated to keep going hmm. forward. But I would think that could also have the opposite effect. It would stop you from from trying certain things, as you hmm. would be afraid of uh, when working. Yeah. 
Now, that's an interesting, uh, that's an interesting, like kind of facet to, to cover on that. And um, yes, I think there are people that um, like, for example, like a lot of people will, will write a script and they're so scared that people will judge it and not like it, that they can't take that next step. I'm a lot, I'm a lot more willing to put myself out there to, to succeed or fail as opposed to just opting to not, not even try. Cause then, then you're, you're guaranteeing your own demise. So you kind of have to take that step. I mean, when you're making a movie anyway, like, like for example, the return or any one of the shorts that I've done, people could love it or hate it. And once it's out there, there's nothing I can do about it. Right. But at least I made the film and I know there's stuff in there that I can glean and I can pull from and build off of and keep moving forward. So, um, you know, for as much as, as you may, worry that people might not like your project or, or you might not get financed or, you know, funding might fall through. You, you just got to keep plugging away. Cause if you, if you choose to stop, I mean, then you're, you're going to just uh, wither anyway. So that's a different way of looking at it. As I was thinking what is more actual failures, not, uh, not even putting it out there as opposed to fear of someone not liking it. Yeah. 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 Uh, I want to mention Adam Brooks is in the movie, who I'm a big fan of. It's not a huge oh, role, yeah. but uh, but I, I'm a big Astron 6 fan, and I was very happy to see Adam Brooks uh, pop up. Yeah, there. yeah. You know, the film was very – I mean, it's a very tight cast, but I was like um – I was like, I, I could probably get Adam to play Max, the lawyer. So, uh, like, he's also from Winnipeg, where I'm from. So, we we see each other from time to time. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so he came on board. And, yeah, it was a pretty small part. But down the road, I'd love to get him into something a little meatier and, and have a little more fun because, obviously, we all know what he's – what he's capable of on a, on a grander scale, uh, yeah. you know, in all the crazy stuff that he's been involved with. Yeah. So that's the hope. I'd love to get Adam back on something with a, a bit more meat on the bone. Yeah. Very dry sense of humor. I'm a, I'm a <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, did you, do you have any um, injuries from, uh, from any of the stunts? Uh, on, on the return? No. Uh, in the real world, nothing crazy. Like, I mean, when, when you fall, when you fall down anywhere from, five to 25 times a day, eventually you're going to catch your elbow or you're, you know, you're going to, you know, land on your hip weird or something like that. So you'll have a lot of bumps and bruises or scrapes, but, but nothing too crazy. I mean, for as dangerous as things appear on set and on screen, um, there's a, especially, I, again, I'm very lucky. The team that I work with skiing stunts, like they have a very safe approach. And a lot of it is like this really nice marriage between uh, stunt and, and VFX. So, you know, Sometimes always what you see on screen isn't exactly what's happening on set, which is a good thing because it's, it allows us to do it four or five, six times instead of once. And then you, you walk with a limp for a week. So um, I, I can't really think of anything where I was like um, too injured. However, uh, about a month and a half ago, I guess I was on, I was on one shoot and I, I get like shoved over this, like this barrel and just randomly my, my finger just like, Oh. just got twerked so i still can't make a fist so i guess I, if you're talking injuries <laughs> maybe this one like a month and a half ago has been bugging me but I, i'm a righty so I, everything's good oh, okay. this, I was saying, if, yeah. if anyone went to get in a fist fight now's the time to do so yeah exactly yeah that was the best time because otherwise you're going down <laughs> so, <laughs> but um yeah, honestly like it's it's been pretty good um you know i haven't i haven't been, I, I got a pretty big nose haven't been cracked in that too often so yeah it's it's been working out uh, well, that's good. That's good. Uh, I saw the one uh, award at a Lovecraft uh, festival. The mm -hmm. yeah, I was really happy with that because I'm a pretty big fan of of H.P. Lovecraft and his works. And um, so when I submitted to to that festival, I I kind of I sent in a cover letter. I, I'd already screened there with Echoes in the Ice because that kind of draws from Lovecraftian elements as well. But in my cover letter, I just said like I, I know this isn't like a very typical. 
um, Lovecraftian story, but I said it definitely draws on a lot of elements of cosmic horror. There's like science that are opening, you know, dimensions to things and, and pulling out, you know, these specters and whatnot until, you know, until things are eventually revealed in the third act. And, um, and yeah, luckily it, it went to the fest and it, it won the best feature. And I'm, I'm just happy with that because my goal is, I mean, I'm a fan of HP Lovecraft and if I can kind of keep drawing um, inspiration from kind of his previous works, that's great. That means I'm making films for people who are, are fans of what I like as well. So I can hopefully, you know, continue to connect with people that like what I like. And uh, I guess on that note too, I I mean, I guess if I was offered something, sure, I would, I would be happy to jump into one of his like original works, but anything that I do, I think I would like to, like I had mentioned, draw inspiration from his work while keeping it uniquely my own so that I'm putting my own kind of essence into the project as well. Um, so that's something that kind of motivates me on that front too, is kind of finding that, that line that, you know, satisfies the Lovecraftian component, but like keeping it unique to the stories I like to tell. Yeah. So how did it, uh, besides that particular festival, how, how did it do at other festivals and what was that like? Did you, were you in attendance for any of them? <sighs> no, I was in my, uh, was in my cold basement doing a bunch of zoom calls for, uh, yeah. for the, uh, the festivals, but, um, it did pretty well. It went to like film quest and, uh, um, other worlds, Austin. It screened in, um, at HP Lovecraft, of course, uh, pardon me. Um, Richard Harmon won the best actor at the New York city horror film festival and a bunch of other ones, uh, Salem horror fest, which was, I would have loved to have gone to as well. So yeah, it did really well. I'm, I'm in Massachusetts, but I, I always want to go to yeah. that. Yeah. So you haven't been yet. No. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe one day in the future, if I get yeah. another project out, we'll, we'll get to meet in person. I'd like to go. I think it'd be a really good time, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, I had a great run on the genre of festival circuit. And then, um, you know, a bunch of zoom calls here. Otherwise I would have probably been traveling around having a great time in 2020, but uh, <laughs> I think the world had other plans. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, that's how I discovered zoom. I, I didn't even know zoom was around. In, yeah. Same. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure zoom is, uh, I don't want to say that they're happy, but they've benefited over the last. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Tristan, do you have another question? You co-wrote the script for the return. So can you talk a little bit more about what inspired the story? Yeah, sure. Uh, Ken Jansen's kind of uh, came up with the the core concept for the film. So, um, like, I didn't come on board uh, and, and kind of try to change too much of how it how it kind of naturally evolved from a horror film to a sci-fi. That was always a, an organic kind of uh, shift in the third act to go from a more conventional haunting to a, kind of a full-on sci-fi. Um, so, and that, but as a director, that was something that I thought was like really fun because you can really lean into some of the tropes that you, you come to expect. And then what I tried to do was, um, in the hypnosis scene, when she unlocks his memories, um, I wanted to take kind of some of the score that we had developed and then starting to incorporate more sci-fi elements as he's getting closer to the answers. So that when we shifted, you kind of, you get this like subconscious progression into kind of where it was going until it, you know, it takes that hard left. Um, so uh, on the writing side, to go back to that, uh, one thing that I think I did uh, well was um, the script was a little bit bigger um, initially. It was about 120 pages and we really whittled it down to about 90 and we really distilled it down to its, its core components. And, um, uh, and I think it was good because again, the budget wasn't massive and it just helped keep things really lean. And um, I don't think it suffered much. Like it was just like we were just trimming things that I felt should go anyways, just to keep it a really tight story, keep the viewer on the on the tracks for the journey and then, you know, have it wrap up relatively clean. I don't know if there's something you want to talk about, but uh, when you mentioned, you know, it's more sci-fi, sci-fi uh, part of the movie, 
is the mm-hmm. original poster I noticed is more science fiction. And then the, the newer posters are, uh, they really push the horror elements, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we created the, um, so that purple one where it's like the two yeah. faces of, of Richard screaming. Uh, we, we created that one with our, with our company. And I, I think it's a pretty great poster. I, I I'm pretty happy with it. And uh, Andrew, who did the VFX did the poster. He did a great job. And I liked, I, I really liked that poster because, you know, it's, it's, it's two faces kind of overlaid and it kind of touches on, you know, um, it very subtly touches on the fact that his mom was actually like split in two directions. And if he didn't correct the formula properly, I mean, he could suffer that, that same fate. So, um, you know, it had some like very low key kind of symbolism going on. Um, and then, yeah, the, the new key art came out through our distributor and they're leaning more into the horror element. So I'm guessing that they're going to, they're going to cater it more to the horror audience. I'm not exactly sure. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let you know when we, when we uh, follow up <laughs> down the road one day. It's something um, I notice a lot from the, uh, especially movies I'll follow from the festivals to when they get released. And sometimes, um, though I, I do think the new one is good too, but sometimes I'll see like a really like a hand painted poster and then it'll be a very, uh, a basic poster. And it's always kind of sad to me, but uh, I actually think both posters are good, but uh, yeah, they're, they, they definitely, definitely yeah. And you know what? I, I think, again, because of the fact that the film really does hinge in two different directions, it's kind of cool to have just two different looks at the same at the same film. You know, you got your like sci fi one, you have your horror one and they both kind of tell a different story, but it's all kind of, you know, connected, which is cool. Yeah. Um, but I think eventually uh, we're going to try to sell our, our poster on our on our website, because a lot of people have been messaging us about it. Uh, a lot of fans of Richard and, and uh, fans who have seen the film so far want a poster, which is cool. So we're going to try to get that up and running to kind of like time out pretty close to the release of the project. Yeah. Uh, something yeah. I wanted to bring up, because I think it's overlooked sometimes, is uh, the sound and not just the score. But uh, when the ghost is around, there's uh, some really, I think, scary uh, noise. And I think that really adds uh, to the movie. Yeah, I, I had... Um, uh, a sound designer named Steven Webb uh, come on and uh, he, he, his first pass, like um, his first primary focus was all ghost related stuff. So we had kind of like layered in uh, voices and um, uh, like a lot of like weird breathing. And we had like synth sounds that had been kind of like broken down and kind of layered in where, where necessary. And yeah, I think it turned out pretty well. I actually, uh, there was, there was a scene from the thing actually that I sent as reference to, um, trying to remember which one <laughs> it might've been when the, when, um, the, 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 the dog is like hatching open and killing everything. And it, it makes this scream that I was like, I was like, if we can kind of like, you know, tie into something that, that, yeah. that hit internally from this sound, that would be great. So he kind of played with that as well. So yeah, there's a lot of layers to that sound design on the ghost. So that's cool. I'm glad you liked that part. Yeah, definitely. And just to kind of a side note, I like that you would say inspired by things because uh, people always talk about, you know, they remake everything so much, but instead of remaking things, I do think almost everything we've seen has been inspired by something else and that you can still make something completely original and just be inspired, you know, by uh, something you watched, you know, before. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Tristan, do you have another question? I'm wondering if you had an imaginary friend as a kid. <laughs> I didn't. Maybe Ken did. Maybe that's where a lot of this uh, came from. But, uh, you know, it's funny, though. Um, I, I wonder, actually, while we were making the movie, we were talking about that. And and I'm genuinely curious, like, how prevalent were people, are our children who have imaginary friends? Because I, I didn't have one, but I, I wonder what it would, would be like <laughs> to actually have one. And, and how common is that? You know, did you did you have an imaginary friend when you were a kid? 
No, I'm also curious. What about you, Neil? I did not, but but uh, my brother, who is our our other co-host, is not here today. Did have a imaginary friend. His yeah. his name is Troy, and his imaginary friend was Yort, which is Troy spelled backwards. So <laughs> that's great. See, when I was a kid, I played a lot with um, uh, action figures. So I think I pulled a lot of my uh, my my visual creative energy into. I guess I guess in hindsight, um, you know early, early filmmaking techniques. I was just storyboarding with action figures when I was a kid, maybe. So that's where all that, that's where all that juice went. Yeah. On a, I, I did too all the time, but on a side note, uh, the, near the beginning with, when they see all the dolls, I'm always, hmm. I'm not really freaked out by a lot in horror movies, but, uh, toys and, and dolls kind of freak me out. And I think it's cause I had a lot of action figures as a kid. And I yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Hunt, I guess. So. yeah. And, and again, that was very inspired by just, like I said, I really wanted it to kind of start as, as, as a classic haunting. And it seemed like a very easy to identify kind of, I don't know if trope is the right word, but you see that room and you go, Oh shit, that's, that's kind of creepy. And we kind of played into it and, and had some fun. And it was kind of a bit of a redirect because the thing was actually coming out of the event. But, uh, but yeah, we just tried to play on that so that there just was a bit more of an arc. Like when we got to that, that third act sci-fi shift. Mm-hmm. So uh, the return comes out August 10th. Um, are you working on anything currently? Yeah, I got a new, I got a new, uh, script that I'm working on right now. And, uh, it's, it's a bit of a, it's got a little, a couple twists and turns, so I can't get too deep into it, but it's a, it's an action thriller, um, about, about a family on, at, at their cabin and these, uh, and these, um, intruders show up and then things get real serious. So it's, uh, it, it should be pretty fun. I'm, I'm really excited for this one. Very cool. Uh, and where can people uh, follow the return or yourself to see what you're up to? Uh, you can, uh, I, I'm probably easier to find just because it's my name, BJ Vero, um, And I'm primarily on Instagram and Twitter. That's probably where I'm easiest to get to. And I think on both of my bio handles, I think you can get to the return right out of my, uh, you know, my, uh, my profile. Yeah. For, and I'm going to edit the beginning. So I, I, uh, I pronounce your name correctly. Oh, <laughs> Sure. Sounds good. Well, thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate it. It was really nice to meet you too. And, um, you know, I hope we get a chance to catch up again in the future on another project. Very good. All right. Yeah. I love that. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. Take care. Stay warm up in Canada. Yeah. It's hot right now, but the winter's coming. So. Yeah. All right. Very good. Thanks. Bye guys. See you later. From ancient terrors to the search for modern-day conspiracies, the Tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror rock. Uncover the mystery of old-world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. Ripley, we should have listened. Sitting here on a lie, Now we're gonna die. The Tomb of Nick Cage. Stick up the night. Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Tomb of Nick Cage. Oh,